Welcome to Renovo Through Time, episode number three. Baseball, Seth Nelson, and Swamp Poodle. is a gateway to the Appalachian mountain range, a plateau with hundreds of hollows and valleys that were carved by runoff from glaciers that covered 30% of northern Pennsylvania millions of years ago. For centuries, it has been streams and creeks running down the valleys and feeding into the west branch of the Susquehanna River that opened pathways for people to pass through the mountains to explore the beauty and natural resources of Penn's woods. Within those valleys and along those waterways, we find our heritage, the stories that we share with you in this podcast. Renovo Through Time is about our railroad town, its history, its allure, and its promise as a place to find peace and quiet, adventure, and renewal. Welcome to Renovo, Pennsylvania. In each episode, Martha Sykes guides our journey through Renovo's historic timeline with readings from books and documents that are in our local libraries and museums. In this episode, Martha continues with Miss Margaret Baird's colorful description of Renovo's early days. Lou Bernard talks about Cading's infamous mountain man, Seth Nelson, and Charlie Barnum unveils Swamp Poodle. We begin with Martha reading a selection from Margaret Baird's descriptive Renovo. Descriptive Renova. Renova is 250 miles northwest of Philadelphia on the P&E Railroad, 228 miles from Baltimore, 50 west of Williamsport, and 110 east of Kane. She has a population of 6,000 inhabitants, is supplied with a sewage system, an electric light and heat plant, a mile of paved streets, a substantial public building, a reliable water system, and a well-enforced curfew law. Her works consist of the P&E railroad shops, whose monthly payroll averages $100,000, the Renova Fire Brickworks, and the West Branch Fire Brickworks, situated at Dory's Run. Her population are engaged in the various mechanical works of the P&E shops, in railroading, in brickmaking, and in the various businesses incident to the life of a busy town. She excels in social life, in baseball experts, in skilled musicians, in beautiful scenery, and in general business activity. With the numerous proposed improvements already materializing, it is evident that she is also a town with a future. Renova is rich in suburbs, 
On the east, North Bend, Farwell, Drockton. On the west, South Hill, Dory's Run, Shintown, Westport. On the north, Mountain Glen and Mountain Avenue, and on the south, South Renova and West Renova. In 1880, a land company was formed in Renova and was called the South Renova Land Company. This firm consisted of Israel R. Wainwright, Samuel Gustine Thompson, James O'Hagan, and P. H. Sullivan. They purchased the old James Caldwell farm on the south side of the river from James Stout for $10,000. The land was at once laid out in lots and a bridge built across the river at 8th Street by the firm. Farwell is the site of the Absalom Farwell Farm and is rapidly growing. The picturesque Drockton on the crest and base of the hill to the west of the mouth of Patty's Run is the work of the Drockton Land Company, an organization formed in Philadelphia. The company offered the lots for sale with the nucleus of a village already formed and the beautiful homes erected by them prior to the sale of lots. The suburb is supplied with water from the P&E Reservoir at Patty's Run, and it is but a 10 minutes walk from Renova. With a proposed overhead bridge at 16th Street, a possible trolley line to North Bend, a state road from Westport to North Bend, Drockton must become a most desirable spot for a home. Renova is a town of circles and organizations. Those organized first have continued and broadened, and others have been added. Each of the seven churches has its various circles with their definite work to do, and in addition, numerous circles have been formed. Among these are the several Thimble Clubs, the Monday Night Club, and the Research Club, and a number of active card clubs. The first paper published in Renova appeared in 1871, when John U. Schaefer published the Renova Record, a weekly sheet of 28 columns. In 1872, the paper was enlarged and improved. After the death of the editor, his sons, John and Ernest, continued the publication of the record. On October the 4th, 1907, a Renova Daily Record was put out. The record headquarters are now in a substantial brick building on 5th Street, the property of the proprietors, and the continued prosperity of the paper assured. Martha will continue with Margaret Baird's story shortly. Lou Bernard is a local historian who has spent a lifetime investigating the people, places, creatures, and events that compose the colorful side of our local history. This is Lou's account of one of Kading's early pioneers, Seth Nelson. And Nelson was interesting. If you asked him to fill out some kind of an application form, under occupation he would likely have put Panther Hunter. That wouldn't have told the full story, however. In addition to being a hunter of panthers and all sorts of other creatures, uh, Nelson was also a lot of other things. He was a farmer. He was a community founder. And very uh, specifically, he was a teller of tall tales. Seth Nelson liked to brag. Um, The real story of Seth Nelson is one thing, 
And the story that he told is <laughs> quite another. Nelson was born around 1810 or 1811. Now, accounts vary. He was either born up in the Cading area or maybe in Union County. It's hard to say. Um, it's certain that no matter where he was born, it was Lycoming County at the time. At this time in history, Lycoming County covered all of the state of Pennsylvania. So, Nelson uh, was born around 1810, 11. He uh, is said to have come out this way in the early 1830s, around his late teens or early 20s. He rafted up the river stopped along the cinema honing and asked people if there was anywhere he could stay for the night. They directed him to an old mansion that was owned by a lumberman up in the Cading Township area. Um, yes, I'm aware there's two Cading Townships. I tend to cram them together as there's, what, six people between them? So Nelson went and explored the old mansion, which, according to some sources, was said to be haunted. It turns out there were a couple of panthers living in there. Well, Nelson, at least according to him, threw the panthers out with his bare hands. And then took over and lived in the mansion. Now, is this true? Hard to tell with Seth Nelson. He told a lot of stories like that. However, that old mansion became kind of the center point of the community he founded at that time, Nelsonville. Nelsonville would have had a population of, oh, 30 to 50 people at any given time. Uh, it was up in Cading Township. I've actually been there. It's a neat place to explore. There's not a lot to see anymore, but there's a couple of old wells. There's a foundation of an old schoolhouse, and there's the Nelsonville Cemetery. Nelsonville was basically just a small farming, hunting community, and it was pretty much run by... Seth Nelson. Nelson had his family up there, a uh, wife, a couple of kids, including Seth Jr. Um, and he told a lot of stories. Now, there are these stories of Seth Nelson that, again, the phrase stretching the truth comes readily to mind. Seth Nelson talked about one time, for instance, when he was hunting a panther and his gun jammed, so he just decided to beat the panther over the head with his uh, gun and dragged its corpse back and butchered the thing. Um, <clears throat> he told another story of the time when a bear grabbed his gun and pulled it out of his hands. Then the bear turned and walked off, apparently not willing to take on Seth Nelson in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Um, apparently the bear heard what happened to the panther. Nelson claimed to have been a witness to the Reign of Fire. Now, the Reign of Fire happened in November 13, 1833. Nelson would have been a young man of maybe 23 or so at the time. The Reign of Fire was the Leonid meteor shower that year. Now, the Leonids peak around every 30-plus years. Nelson said he was a witness to it. He was camping out at the time around Alter Rock, up on the far northwest end of Clinton County. He said he woke up to see this huge meteor shower, very bright, 
You know, and this was pretty much what everybody else from present-day Renova to Lock Haven saw at the time. Nelson, however, claimed that he got hit in the head with some meteors. But, of course, it didn't hurt him. It didn't stop him at all because he's Seth Nelson and meteors aren't going to stop him. Um, <sighs> this is reported in um, one of the Robert Lyman books about local legends. Uh, Lyman suggests that the reader can kind of come to his own conclusions about what was real and what Nelson exaggerated. He did do a lot of that. He claimed to have gone blind and regained his sight once through sheer force of will. He claimed to be immortal as well. Now, as Seth Nelson uh, has been buried in the Nelsonville Cemetery since about 1905, it's pretty safe to say he's dead now. However, you never can tell with these unstoppable super panther hunting types. There is an incident from about uh, 1920, 15 years after Seth Nelson's reported date of death, where the newspapers reported that Seth Nelson came into town. He came down to Lock Haven and applied for a uh, hunting license. Now, some say this was his son, Seth Nelson Jr., who came in and applied. Probably that's the case. On the other hand, Nelson always did claim he was going to last forever. So who knows? I've seen pictures of Seth Nelson. Um, he was... He could be described as looking kind of like an Amish zombie. This very thin, almost skeletal guy with a long beard. If you took one of the ZZ Top guys and put him on like a really intense crash diet, they would probably come off looking a lot like Seth Nelson. So if you should happen to see anybody like that running around town applying for a uh, hunting license, stop him and say hi. Might just be Seth Nelson. And you never know. Maybe he'd be happy to stop and tell you some stories. to Martha and more of Miss Baird's descriptive Renovo. The Renova Evening News was established September 21st, 1883 by John P. Dwyer, now managing editor of the Philadelphia Record, and Francis Riley, now deceased. The paper took rank from the beginning and has enjoyed excellent prestige and a flattering business ever since. The present proprietors are Noel and Snyder, two of the town's leading young businessmen who are also interested in several other enterprises. W.C. Knoll is the editor and manager. Among the first organizations of the town, the West Branch Host Company takes an important place. This organization was formed the 17th day of June, 1874, when R.M. Messimer was chosen president, H.R. Hostetter vice president, and E.P. Dowling secretary. Their object was the protection of property against fire. They held their first meeting in Selly's Hall. This fine fire brigade has served the town in that capacity since their organization and rank at the present time among the first in the state. Howard Foundley of Renova is the only charter member of the company in Renova at the present time and is distinguished in the country as being the oldest fireman 
in Clinton County, having served in Lock Haven previous to 1874. Later, the P&E Railroad Company organized a company for the purpose of protecting their property against fire. With the names of Wade, Cody, Friel, Matamore, Roach, Good, Stout, Swires, McCarty, and Uncle, giving Renova a national standing among the baseball fraternity, the historian turns the pages backward and finds a reason for the great baseball progress of the Renovaite and a precedent established along with 1865 in two teams known as the Renova Baseball Nine and the Enterprise. Among those pioneer lovers of the diamond were Captain E.T. Swain, James Quinn, E.J. Young, John Young, James R. Schuster. Being anxious to exhibit their skill to the world at large, these teams united in the summer of 65 and invited the athletes of Philadelphia to cross bats with them. The invitation was accepted, and a large crowd gathered on the green between 3rd and 4th Streets to witness the victory of the Renova Stars. About the fourth inning, the score stood 32 to nothing in favor of Renova. The Stars bore the honors with evident modesty and pretended to be unconscious to the wild cheers of delight from their townspeople. Then the athletes began to play. They pitched with such vigor and skill that the already fatigued Stars were unable to secure the ball. The surprise of the great skill of this team took whatever breath remained in the Stars. At the close, the score stood 32-52 to in favor of the Philadelphia athletes. Should any member of that team of 65 drop in on Old Home Week, they will receive a cordial welcome from the original baseball team and the Renova public in general. This podcast is made possible by a Clinton County Tourism and Recreation Grant. For the latest on our area's culture, dining, events, recreation, and places to stay, check out the Clinton County Visitors Bureau at clintoncountyinfo.com. Charlie Barnum is a beloved teacher, coach, and local historian who loves to share colorful and humorous stories about growing up in Renovo. He makes his debut here on Renovo Through Time with his recollection of a place called Swamp Poodle. I first found out about uh, Swamp Poodle when I was uh, visiting my friend Terry O'Connor. I was about 11 or 12 years old. Terry and I used to take and hike up to the flagpole, the overhang up on top. His birthday and my birthday were almost the same day. His was the 23rd of May, mine was the 24th of May. And with, every year we always say we're going up the flagpole. So I go down and uh, I'm down there and Terry's telling me about uh, his mom uh, grew up uh, in uh, Swamp Poodle. And I said to him, what, what's a Swamp Poodle? I never heard of a Swamp Poodle. Is it some kind of dog? What kind of, what is that anyway? He says, it's not a dog, it's a place. So then he went to get dressed in that and his mom come out and I started talking with her. I asked her about what uh, or what and where is 
Swamp Poodle. And uh, he told, she told me that Swamp Poodle is right across from Newberry's. That would have been on uh, 6th Street there. If you look over to the North Mountain, there's a scar on the mountain. And underneath that scar is where Swamp Poodle was located. Okay, it was three buildings with six families in each building. Now, those buildings were pretty long and big, but if you uh, ever have a picture that you want to look at, you can see how uh, they, they were divided uh, for the, the families. They usually had uh, uh, a backyard in each one of them. And then uh, uh, I started asking her some questions about Swamp Poodle. I wanted to know if it was nice over there and everything. And she told me that it was nice. They had a lot of fun. They used to play uh, baseball out on the street and play tag, that kind of thing. But she said the most fun was to go down to the stockyard. Well, I said, well, what's nice about going down to the stockyard? And she said, well, well, uh, they used to take bring uh, boxcars and that had animals in them and they would take them out and, and uh, put them in the yard while they worked on the boxcar. The boxcar might have something wrong with it, like a hot box or bad bearings or something. It usually only took like a, a few hours to fix, but those animals uh, would get all disturbed and uh, they needed a place to be and then they could eat something, they could drink something down there at the stockyard. The men would let uh, the kids feed the animals a lot of times. So she said that was uh, a lot of fun. And then uh, I uh, found out a little bit about uh, Swamp Poodle from another fella. I had a uh, tree house in my backyard. And my treehouse was right across the porch of uh, Hawk Thurston's aunt that lived in that apartment. That was a Tropes beer distributor. And it was four apartments up on top there. And hers was uh, apartment was right next to my uh, treehouse. And she'd sit out on the uh, porch with a fella that would come down from uh, 6th Street. And they were talking about Swamp Poodle. Now, I don't really know if she, if she was living over in Swamp Poodle, but they seemed to talk about Swamp Poodle quite a bit. And I, I put it in, I asked her, I said, uh, I, I'm i really interested in Swamp Poodle. And the fellow that was with said, well, uh, I can tell you a little bit about Swamp Poodle. Uh, I really liked it. It was, had a lot of fun. I, I uh, liked going to school over on the North Side School. That was with the kids from uh, Stouts Hill and uh, Mountain Glen or Smoky Hall, whichever you want to call it. And then all the kids that were down there. Uh, the uh, North Side School had like four classrooms in it. And then once you graduated, went through all those classrooms, you, you had to go over to the Renova and go to the, the elementary school at uh, 7th Street. He's, or he was telling me about they uh, used to take and uh, go underneath the boxcars 
instead of going up to the walk bridge. And they said they used to be kind of dangerous because you never knew where they were working on which train and what train was going across. But they said that was a lot more fun than going across the walk bridge. So uh, they liked doing that. And then they said that the thing that he remembered the most was when the, the railroad came and threw all their furniture out on the street. And he said, then we had to get out because his dad was on strike. And uh, all the strikers had to get out of those uh, buildings over there and that. And they didn't know where they were going to go. They finally wound up in Renova uh, staying at somebody else's house. Tracy Bruno, owner of Endless Mountain Getaway, for sponsoring this podcast, Renovo Through Time. Endless Mountain Getaway has daily, weekly, and monthly rentals in two fully furnished homes with all the essentials. Come to Renovo and enjoy the fresh mountain air, kayak, bike, fish, and stargaze in Pennsylvania's Dark Skies region. Hike the Donut Hole and the Chuck Kuiper Trails and ride your ATV on Pennsylvania's most popular ATV trails. A 20-point COVID preventative cleaning system assures a safe and comfortable stay. For more about Endless Mountain Getaway, call 570-490-4104. Call today. Thank you for listening. Join us next for Episode 4 when Martha reads Margaret Baird's account of Renovo's early churches. Lou Bernard talks about the haunted fiddle, and Charlie Barnum begins a series of stories about the Renovo Railroad Shops.